Amen. Y'all, we're studying the life of Moses. Uh, next two weeks, Christmas, Christmas Eve, which is Tuesday, we're going to have our prayer meeting, our candlelight service up here just for one hour. Pray that you can make that, all of it or part of it, from five to six. And then the following week will, uh, will be New Year's Eve on Tuesday. And we'll have a prayer meeting from five to six as well. We will not be having our Wednesday night services next week or the following week. We are going to have the prayer meetings on Tuesday night. So I just wanted to remind you that. If you ever have any questions and can't remember, look at the website. Eric does a great job of, of keeping that information up there. There's also a calendar in the back to remind us of that. Uh, I want you, if you would, to turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 33. We're going to read verses 1 through 3 and then skip down to verse 12. Exodus 33, 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence. Thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. Now what had just happened, we talked about last week, was the, the children of Israel had made a golden calf and, and worshipped it. And it was, it was a terrible thing. And God was angry. We had God's man, Moses, step in the gap and intercede on behalf of the sinful people. And let's skip down to verse 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, bring, bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy, thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this, is, this nation is thy people. And so, once again, we're going to uh, study about the life of Moses and what, what was taking place here was very significant as well. Because this is repeated at least one time I know of in the Psalms. You know how David recounts the, the travelings of Israel and, and really the history of Israel and their rebellion in the wilderness and so forth. And he says that the people uh, saw God's miracles, but Moses saw His ways. Or his way. He wanted to know his way. The reason he saw it is because he desired to see. God's not a respecter of persons. I think had anyone desired to know the Lord, kind of behind the scenes to really know God, rather than just see manna from heaven and water from a rock and a red sea parting, or even judgment or fire and thunder, you know, thundering and lightnings up on a mountaintop. If anybody desires to know him, we can know him. We can know him through faith in Jesus Christ, through the through knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, being born again of His Spirit in our day, and then pressing in to know Him. And, and I think it was Tozer, I forgot exactly, but I'm gonna, I think it was A.W. Tozer that said, every man is as close to God as he wants to be. And I do believe that. I believe we have as much of the Lord as we want. We're as close to God as we want to be. Uh, I don't think He is the limiting factor in our relationship. I think we're the limiting factor in our I wouldn't even call it just sin all the time sometimes it could be sin but I think just in our busyness and our carnality 
and the coldness of our heart uh, not, not pressing in. The Lord says, you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. You'll seek me and what? And find me when you search for me with all of your heart. So there's a, uh, a verse. We didn't, we didn't read it, but I want to read it now. In 33, verse 14, because Moses makes this plea to the Lord, which we're going to talk about tonight in verse 14. And he said, the Lord said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. And I say amen to that. The two go hand in hand. The presence of God and the rest that he gives. If we're troubled, it's the answer to that is a heart rest, a spirit rest, a soul rest. And I know we quote the scripture often where Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He said, go, didn't say go over there and, and I'll provide some rest over there in a miracle or a bank account or a healing or a nice cool stream with water in and no traffic and no commotion. He says, Come unto me and I will give you rest. So those two things go hand in hand. That's not God, I'm the Lord, I change not. That's Old Testament. That's New Testament. The Lord said in response to Moses' plea, it says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And so, uh, again, what are we seeing about Moses? We're seeing more. It's increasing. This is a good thing. His increase in his desire for the Lord. That is increasing. It's not stagnant and it's not stationary. And y'all, I ought to be as a pastor, provoking you, not provoking you to get under your skin and bother you, but provoking you onto a closer walk with the Lord. And we ought to be provoking one another, it says in Hebrews 10, to love and good works. That ought to be something that stirred us up. I don't think Moses had a lot of people actually provoking him on with the Lord. But he had this desire nonetheless, and it increased. And he would cry out to God and God would meet with him. He would cry out to God and God would meet with him. And it was always moving him up the ladder. It was always moving him up the ladder. And I guess less of him and more of the Lord. And then a greater desire for the Lord. I always say this. I'm very excited that we have not maxed out. That I personally have not maxed out. If I'm going to live another however many years, if it's five minutes or 50 years, however long, I'm going to live as a believer. I'm glad that there's new ground to take. That's not discouraging to me. That's encouraging to me. Because we can get bored with things. We can say, I've been there and done that. And move on to something else. We can never say with the Lord, been there and done that. And move on to something else. Because there's always more in Christ Jesus. And so Moses was longing for this. You know, people are in this world are looking for rest. They look for rest and peace, that kind of rest. Not, I'm retired now and I can, you know, put, kick up my shoes and stick a cane pole in my hand and go fishing. People are looking for rest in their minds, in their hearts, and they look for it in all different places, but the Lord says, come unto me and I'm going to give you rest. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So the two are going hand in hand. And, and socialism and communism, for example, uh, it, it's a promise to people that are a lot of times that may be poor, the people are poor, or they're, they're underneath instead of on top, so to speak, 
in the promises that this is going to be the perfect utopia, the motherland, the mother country, whatever, uh, this promise. But, but it does not bring rest. It doesn't because, because the rest that is in the longing heart of human beings cannot be satisfied by circumstances. If the circumstances are changed, there's still not rest inwardly. And this is what God promises and what He provides. And it comes through His presence. So what are the circumstances? We talked about it last week. The children of Israel had made the golden calf. The same time the Lord, that Moses was up there uh, with the Lord for a prolonged period of time. And he's received the Ten Commandments. And it's this wonderful communion with him. And they're saying, as for this fellow Moses, we don't know what's become of him. And Aaron bows to the will of the people. It was a horrible compromise. And made a golden calf. And the people, they said, we're going to make a feast unto the Lord. And they made a golden calf. And they said, this be, Aaron said, this be the gods that brought you out of Egypt. And they sinned. And, and it, it brought judgment. And Moses stands in the gap. And Moses, I believe, and you, I would think you would probably agree with this, that he, he probably was a very lonely man. I'm not saying he was miserable. I'm saying he was probably lonely. I don't, even though he's in the midst of two and a half million people, roughly, there weren't like-minded people. There weren't people that he was, uh, you know, like David, let us go up into the house of the Lord. You know, come with me. Let's go worship the Lord in the house of God. Uh, he was tending to the people. He was interceding for the people. And I believe, honestly, he would rather been up on that mountaintop with the Lord than down there with the people. Although he loved them, he had God's heart for them and burden for them. There wasn't a real, probably as much communion as, as you know, he, he would rather be in that divine presence of the Lord is all I'm saying. And I believe that anybody that walks closely with the Lord it, you wouldn't trade it for anything, but there is a loneliness. And I think in a way that's a good thing because it makes us long for the heaven more. It makes us long for the Lord more. We're not just weird to be weird. We're not just peculiar to, in an in a outcast and a little loner to be a loner. We're separated unto God. And the more we're separated unto God and walk with the Lord, the more we desire to be with Him or to be honoring to Him and please Him. And sometimes He'll kind of shoo us back down. Okay, go back to the people now. I've got some, some things for you to do, maybe to serve the Lord. And we can learn that there's communion with God there too in the midst of people. But I'm simply saying, I think sometimes if we were to study the lives of wonderful saints of God in the Bible days and since the Bible times, that they would, they would attest to the fact that there is a, a certain loneliness that, that others might not understand. Even within the church, for those that, that are wanting a deeper walk to go on with the Lord. Don't shy away from that, by the way, because God will sat, more than satisfy that in our lives. And so Moses is, is longing to be with the Lord. And he said, I'm just reading a scripture that we already read. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. And so there's almost this longing for Moses. You know, you see it in his heart. And he's like, I'm just not going to be satisfied with that. I'm, he's getting closer to the Lord. And maybe uh, six weeks before, 
I'm just guessing maybe that would have been sufficient for Moses. God would have said, I'm going to send my angel. Now you're going to take the people into the promised land. And, and, I, you know, and Moses would have said, yes, Lord. But I think as he's growing closer to the Lord and he's up on the mountain with him and fellowshipping with the Lord, he doesn't want to be out with the Lord and without the Lord. An angel's not going to do. You understand the point here? An angel is not going to do. And so uh, they're, they're leaving the Mount Sinai and they're going on to an unknown area. They're going on to someplace unknown. And y'all, it's a lot of times that way in our lives too. And just maybe just in your walk with the Lord or in your life in general. God is not, we're not just traveling a circle. It's just, you just, you know, they're, they're, I didn't see the movie, but there's, there was that movie about the Lion King. I never saw it, never desired to see it, okay? But it's like the circle of life. And it's nothing to do about the, the Lord, with, with the Lord. That, you know, just one starts and grows up and gets old and a new one comes and this is a circle of life. We're not traveling a circle of life. We're going from here to there. You know what I mean? It's not a circle of life. This body's going to die one day, but that's not me. And that's not you. My spirit and soul goes on to be with the Lord. And He's going to take us places we haven't been before. He's going to take us to heaven one day, which we've certainly not been to before. But even in this life, even in trials and tribulations, and in uh, like Moses' day, uh, ups and downs and ups and downs, but always deeper in the Lord. He's going to bring us to those those places and He's going to take us to places absolutely unknown and we're only going to make it and only be satisfied if the Lord Himself is with us. I don't just want Gabriel and I thank the Lord for Gabriel or Michael or one of the other angels that God may send to assist us in our lives. I thank the Lord for them. But we need the Lord. He's taken us to new territory. He's taken us to new ground. There'll be new enemies. There'll be new things that we have not faced before and we're going to need the Lord okay we're going to need the Lord I think about starting this church that was something new it was something new for all of us Uh, stepping out not being a Christian not being plugged into a church that wasn't new but we'd all have to say the experience we went through and even that we're still going through is new we're walking into a, a new area well, I don't want to go with a myriad of angels or a band of angels. We have to be where the Lord wants us to be. And we need Him. And we need His presence. Amen? And so uh, we're traveling on roads we have not traveled before. It's not just a circle of life. We're not just taking like a subway. We get off here, here, and here, and here and make changes. And on the way home in the afternoon, we get off here, here, here. And I could do it in my sleep because we take the same train every day back and forth. That is not what we're doing. God may show us something totally new for us tomorrow morning when we wake up. Or for our church in the new year or something like that. We don't know. But we have to have the Lord with us. And so, uh, the, the Lord said, if you look back in Exodus 33, verse 3, in verse 2, He says, I'll send an angel before you and I'll drive out the Canaanites. All right, in verse 3, He tells him about this land and at the end of the verse, he says, for I will not go up in the midst of thee. Now, this was something new. Okay, I will not go up in the midst of thee for thou art a stiff necked people. We talked about what had just happened. 
the rebellion, the idolatry. Uh, 3,000 people died, right? And it was, it was terrible what, what took place. But he says, you are stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. And so what happened was there was actually a, yes, God had his man Moses to intercede for the people, but the Lord, though he's still with them, he never leaves nor forsakes us, he withdrew himself to some extent. I can't quantify it and put a label on it, but he withdrew himself from them because they were rebellious and stiff-necked. And if I just am walking in the midst of your camp of two and a half million people, I might just consume you. And that's what he says, right? Lest I consume thee in the way. Some there in the way. They would rise up in another rebellion in the Lord. In his, in his, uh, not that he's out of control at all. He had it all very measured. He doesn't get angry. He's angry at the wicked all the time, the Bible says. But this is what he says here. And so... Um, he's, he's also, it's interesting, it was this time that the Lord had them pitch the tent, the, the tent of meeting place, okay, where the Lord would meet with the, the people outside the camp. He says way outside the camp. That was new as well. Because the rebellion of the people, the tent of the meeting place where a man would go, if a man wanted to inquire of God, he would go, and he had to travel quite a ways because wherever they traveled to, the, the company, the people would be wherever they were set up, and they would pitch the tent up outside the camp. And whoever's going to go meet with God had to make a little journey to go meet with God. I just think it's interesting, and and this is what was going on here. God has kind of withdrawn himself a little bit from the people, and Moses, this is not going to do for him. Again, God says something. He doesn't say something for no purpose. I believe He says things. I know He says things and does things for a purpose. But again, He was looking for an intercessor. He didn't want to just... I don't believe He just wanted to send an angel before the people. He wanted to teach Moses something. And Moses was the babysitter or the father or the mother of the people to take care of them and nurse them. And he wanted Moses once again to cry out to him for another blessing. Go with us, God. You go with us. Thank you, Lord, for angels. But you got to go with us, Lord. He wanted that from his man. And, and so it was like Jacob when he's wrestling with the angel as he's about to meet Esau the next day and he doesn't know what's going to happen and he's afraid. He's wrestling with the angel, with uh, the angel to the break of day, and said, "I'm not letting go until you what? Until you bless me." This is a good thing. This is a good trait, and it shouldn't just be for Moses and Jacob. That ought to be a trait in believers. That ought to be a quality in our lives that we can lay hold on God by faith and roll up our sleeves, so to speak, and lay hold on God. He wants to do that. Sometimes we'll give up on day seven when on day eight he was going to answer the prayer. You understand what I'm saying? Or we give up in year one when the first day of year two he was going to do all that we were asking him and more. It's not that he's hard of hearing. It's not that he's, he's busy and somewhere else and not hearing us. He's wanting to do something in us. It's irreplaceable. that cannot take place in our lives any other way. It can take place this way. And this is what he's doing. And 
Moses' life, and actually the children of Israel were a beneficiary of this man Moses interceding on their behalf. They didn't thank him. They weren't real thankful. They didn't give him nice Christmas presents. Uh, you know what I'm saying. They, but he was standing in the gap for them, and they were blessed and spared a lot of things they didn't even know they were spared from because of him standing in the gap. God was looking at that man Moses and wanting to, wanting to make him that intercessor, a type of Christ. A type of, of Christ. And so it just wasn't going to do to have, uh, you know, to have an angel do to, to go with them. They had to have the Lord. Moses knew this. And so God gives this assurance to them. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it here in just a moment. But God uh, spoke to him. And again, the, 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 if, if the people were watching Moses when the, when the t- tent of meeting was set up outside the camp, they would watch Moses when he would go out there. Evidently, it was with an eyesight because the people, every man would stand up in their tent door and they'd watch the man Moses go out to the tent and the the cloud which represented the presence of the Lord which was maybe suspended up in the air I don't know exactly whenever Moses would enter into the tent that cloud would come down right at the door it was very specific and in other words God's meeting with that man right now and the people would be in their tent doors and they're watching this. And it says that the people, and I'll just read it, every, and stood, all the people rose up and stood every man in his tent door looking after him. It says as soon as, as, soon as he went in, the people worshipped for as long as he was in there. And the Bible says that the, the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Is that not amazing? That really is amazing when you think about it. Moses was still a sinner too. A sinful man. Like you and me. He did put his faith and confidence in the Lord. He knew the Lord. But he's a sinful man. And the Bible says that the Lord spake unto Moses face to face. As a man speaks unto his friend. And every man's at their tent door worshiping. But they're, they're viewing this as... As an amazing scene out there somewhere. And they did know it was something special. And it says that every man stood his tent door. And as long as Moses was in, in there, and that cloud came down upon the tent. They knew God was meeting with them. Every man worshiped. They bowed down uh, while he was out there. But Moses makes this plea because he didn't want to go on without the Lord. In verse 12, let's look at it again. And Moses spake unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, bring up this people. Now that is what God has told him to do, right? Bring up the people into the land flowing with milk and honey. I'll send an angel before you. And thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. And thou hast also that that has also found grace in my sight. You know what he's doing? He's repeating back to the Lord what the Lord had told him. And it's good to remember those things that God has spoken to us. Lord, you told me, you told me that you were going to, and you fill in the blank. You told me that you were going to make me a soul winner. 
you showed that to me one time when I was praying and fasting that you are going to use me to be a mighty soul winner. And it hasn't happened yet. But I know you told me that. He wants us to bring that back to Him. You understand what I'm saying? He may show something, well, Randy, you haven't done A, B, and C. When you do A, B, and C, I'll do it in you. Maybe He'll show me that. Maybe He just wants me to keep pressing in. But He's not offended. It's not disrespectful to go back to God and say in Your Word, Lord, You said You give peace that passes understanding. And I fret and I worry and I try to be calm and I try to have peace and I don't. And I'm not leaving to you and I'm not giving up to you give me peace in my heart that passes understanding. You promised, Lord, in Your Word, You said in Philippians 3.19, My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I have needs that are not met. We're not being disrespectful to do that. To go back to God and say, you said in your word for me, a child of God, well, I'm standing here as your child and you're my heavenly father. And you said, if we be in evil and I had to give good gifts to our children when they ask us, how much more will our father in heaven give good gifts in the Holy Ghost to them that ask him? You said, ask and you'll receive. You said, seek and you'll find. You said, knock and it shall be opened unto you. I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. God's not offended by that. He wants that. What is it stirring me up to lay hold of God? It's stirring me up to press out, uh, to, to cast other little things aside and focus on the Lord. And then He wants to answer that. He's going to answer that. If He promised it to your life, either through His Word or to your heart in accordance to His Word, He's going to bring that to pass. But He wants us to hang in there be like a Jacob and wrestle with God. How long? Till the break of day. Wrestle, wrestle with God. And he says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. And so for us, that wrestling would be in prayer. That wrestling would be in faith. And hanging on to the promises of God. We're not physically wrestling with an angel like Jacob did. But you understand the point. And so Moses is saying, look, you, you told me you're going to uh, send an angel I don't know who this angel is. You know, you haven't told me. You told me I found grace in your sight. Well, let's keep reading verse 13. We'll read again. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, like you told me I have, show me now thy way, that I may know thee. This must have just blessed the Lord's heart. You know what I'm saying? He's like, yes, this is this is what I wanted to get out of the man. And since I'm getting this out of the man's heart, then I'm going to be able to, to pour out more into Him and make Him that intercessor that I want Him to be. This must have been, must have been wonderful for the Lord. The fact that the Lord can delight in people. Well, whatever is not of faith is sin. When we live by faith in the Lord, it pleases Him. The Bible says, I think in Colossians, it may, we may walk unto all pleasing in the, in the Lord. There is a way to, to please the Lord. My walk, not that we're perfect and saying, I don't need you. I'm very mature now, Lord. But that we humble ourselves before Him and call upon Him. And call upon Him, guess what? For big things. Call upon Him for big things. You have not because you ask not. And so, 
Moses is asking for a big thing. Anybody else would say, oh, I don't want to push my luck, so to speak. God's already so good to us. He spared us. He sent us water and manna and done all these things. And he promised to send an angel. He even promised us to drive out our enemies before us. When we get there, ought to just be content with that. But he wasn't content with that because he wanted the Lord. I want to know you. That's what he said in verse 13. That I may know thee. Halfway through that verse. That I might find grace in your sight. You already told me I found grace. But I want to find more grace in your sight. And, and so and he says, consider these are your people, Lord. These are your people. You've got to bring us in. I'm one of them, so to speak, as well. You've got to bring us all in. And so there was this longing in, in his heart for the Lord to be with them. And he probably had a fear that his friend, his friend, the Lord, with a capital F for friend, was going to withdraw himself somewhat. He said he was, you know, and and I'll send my, my angel before you. And God's answer comes back, and I love it in verse 14. This is a key scripture for tonight. And he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Would Moses have received that blessing and that answered prayer had he not asked I don't believe so God wanted him to ask and he wanted to answer we could say well God knows everything he can do anything why do we even have to ask why don't he just bless us with everything because he's revealing himself to us he's revealing ourselves to our 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 own hearts to ourselves and he's revealing himself to us and it's a progression. And he's moving his song little by little. He's peeling off layer of layer. Layer of layer. When you're 99 years old, if you're still living as a Christian on this earth, you'll still be peeling off layers in your heart. Because the Bible says when we see him, we'll be like him. For we'll see him as he is. And so he wanted him to ask and he wanted to answer. You, you, uh, and, and what happens is, our, as our faith grows in the Lord, our boldness to ask grows. Like I said, maybe two months before, Moses might not have asked that. Even if he desired it, maybe he would have been a little timid. I'm I'm supposing some things, but I do know as our faith grows in the Lord, that our boldness grows in the Lord. We have more boldness in prayer. You know, the Lord says, ask of me, command ye me, he says. I think in Jeremiah, I forgot exactly where. Uh, You know, ask of me. Command me. He's not afraid of being put to the test. Oh, we don't want to bother God. And he actually gets disgusted with that because it's a cop-out because we don't feel like praying. Or it's a cop-out on our part because we don't really trust God. And he's not that important to us. We really don't want him or the things he has to offer. Oh, I don't want to bother God. He's like, bother me. Come to me. I want you to come to me. He's our father. We're his child. Okay? Do you want your children to be around you? Yes, you do. And so, this is what he's asking. And this is what uh, God is doing in the man's heart. Amen? In his life. Um, Let's look at verse 17. Skip down. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight. And I know thee thee by name. That's the two things he said back in verse 
um, 12. You said you know me by name and you said I found grace. You said I have, Lord. If, if these things are so, then I want to know you more. Go with this. Show me your way. Show me your presence. And the Lord says, you have found grace. I'm going to do what you've asked. I know you by name, like you said and I said before. And you have found grace. There's a reassurance of those things. Because guess what? We're weak and we're pathetic. And a blessing in my heart today, I might need another blessing tomorrow. I'm not, or a year from now. I'm not, in other words, I might, might, not, I might need to be reassured of something that was so sure today at the altar or in that sermon or whatever where God really spoke to my heart. And then some, it can wane a little bit, but the promise hasn't changed. But in my heart, I might doubt. Like John the Baptist, you, when he's in prison and about to have his head chopped off, he was very sure Jesus was the Christ. When he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and baptizes him in water. And the Holy Spirit said, uh, the one who sent me to baptize said, the one, whoever the Holy Ghost comes to rest upon like a dove, he's the one. So he, John the Baptist knew Jesus Christ was the promised Messiah. But what does he do when he's thrown in prison and, li and his life's turned upside down and he's separated from Jesus and he's separated from his, he had his own disciples and he's in prison and it's not turned out maybe the way he thought it would at that time. He calls some of his disciples and said, you go ask Jesus, are you the one that should come or do we look for another? I think he really knew in his heart of hearts. I know that he knew. But God was gracious enough to give him that reassurance. And there are times in our life, just like what he did, you have found grace in my sight. I am answering your prayers. I do know you by name, Moses. I'm, I'm going to do this thing that you've asked of me. And Moses must have been like, yes. You know, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're going to do it for me? What a heavenly Father. What a God. And Jesus told the disciples of, of John, you go back and tell John, the things you see in here and the dead are raised to life and the blind receive their sight and, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who's not offended in me. You go tell him that. You know what? That answer would have been was enough for John. He didn't say yes, I'm him or no. This was proof of who he was. And so God gives that reassurance. And y'all, there was what the blessedness that came to this was not a Canaan rest, so to speak. To me, the Canaan rest, when they got to the promised land, would be a physical thing. The enemies were put down or chased out or killed. And they would inhabit houses that were already built and eat from vineyards that were already planted and have a land flowing with milk and honey and they had rest from their enemies around about once they get settled in. Well, the, the rest that the Lord was promising when He says in verse 14, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. I don't think it was just a Canaan rest. I think it was an inward rest like we began with tonight. Because guess what? Moses never did go to the promised land. But he promised Moses, I'm going to give you rest. So it wasn't just the rest of Canaan, which was a real rest. When the enemies were driven out, they inhabited their little cottages and, and places and took over vineyards and, and they had peace round about. Uh, there, that was a, a real rest. That's not the real rest that God is promising. He's promising the rest that comes with His presence. Because a lot of people would inhabit that land one day, a whole next generation, further down the road. And a lot of them didn't know the Lord, didn't walk with the Lord, didn't have any kind of relationship with God. He gave them a rest from their enemies. But that's not the rest He wanted them to have. 
My presence shall go with thee, and I will give you rest. And so we're just going to be uh, bringing this to a close. There, there, is, there are some conditions for us as believers. And I would say with, with anybody of any, any era that wants to experience the presence of God and the rest that that presence brings. Jesus, uh, John said in 1 John, you don't have to turn there, but in 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light, so there's an if there, right? If we walk in the light, as He, the Lord, is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. That's with other believers, but also with the Lord. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And so, if I want to experience the rest of God, which comes through the presence of God personally in my life, it's not going to be as I walk any way I choose, even as a Christian. I can't take my own crooked path, so to speak, or my own wayward path and say, come on, Lord, let's go this way and come bless me all along the way. Just like we've been talking about the last two Sunday mornings, we run the race that's set before us. Who said it before us? God Almighty when He saved us. He had it ordained for us in His Son, Christ Jesus, from before the world began. He had predestinated us to be in Christ. I'm not talking about salvation by election. I'm talking about a walk with God by election. I'm talking about a plan of God that He's laid out for us. And that's the path that's going to be blessed because that's the path where God is. And He's not going to chase me down. Of course, He'll come after us when we're wayward. But he's not going to go in the path that I choose and say, okay, this will do. This is not what I wanted for you, but it'll be fine and, and I'll walk along with you. Well, who's the Lord in that scenario? I would be. You know what I mean? And so we can't take any path we cho choose. We have, to, uh, we have to abide in Christ and whatever he's laid out for us. Well, all my life I wanted to be this most famous doctor or I wanted to be this attorney and or I wanted to do this. And what if God has something totally different once I'm born again, a whole different life for me? I want you to sell all that you have and give it to the poor and take up your cross and deny yourself and come follow me. And you have riches in heaven. Well, that's not what I had in mind, God. I do love you and I'm thank you. Thank you for saving me. You see what I'm saying? Do we want the rest? Because you could be that lawyer and not have the rest. You could be that famous doctor or whatever and not have the rest, the inward rest that God wants to give. It's going to come in walking with the Lord. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is our guide. And the Holy Spirit takes the things of Christ and reveals them to us and assures our hearts there's a yea and an amen. Amen in our hearts. Every time you pick up your Bible and read it, there's a yea and amen in your heart from God, from the Holy Spirit, bearing witness to the truth. This is of the Lord. This is of Christ. This is how you know Him more. This is God speaking to your heart. Say yes to what I'm telling you. There's a nodding of our heads, so to speak, in our hearts because the Holy Spirit's bearing witness and He's our God and He's leading us on. Amen? And so... The, Christ is our God. God, He's our good shepherd. You know, I'm about to close, but when David was considering the wicked, sometimes he would, he would meditate on God. There are sometimes we read in the Psalms where he would watch the wicked. He'd watch their lives. He watched to see what he could learn from them. Not, in, in other words, what to avoid. 
but when he was looking at the wicked one time and considering, and then he looked at them, they seemed to prosper. You know, Asaph said the same thing in the psalm. They seemed to get away with whatever they want to. And everything's just going great. But then he sees their end. But he looked at it, and after looking at the wicked, he said, nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Nevertheless, having looked at all the wicked and Boy, they seem to be so happy and, and they're talking, they got schemes and plans against my life and God, you're not judging them and it seems like they get away with murder, literally. And, and, and then he just stops and says, nevertheless, I'm continually with thee. That's the blessing for me. I'm continually with you. Thou hast holden me by, thy, by my right hand. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. Boy, could you say that? Could I say that? I want to say that. There's a measure of that in my life that it would be sincere to the Lord. But I would, I would feel almost afraid that, Lord, that needs to be stronger in my heart. I'm going to read it again. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. When we long for the Lord like that, it's going to be like Moses. I'm going to do this thing that you've asked, David. I'm going to do this thing that you've asked, Moses. I'm going to do this thing that you've asked, believer. Uh, But you have found grace in my sight. I do know you by name. I will be with you. And we have that promise from the Word of God. Amen. And and so in in one sense, the presence of God and the rest of God are the same thing. Is and the author of this book gave a little illustration. He goes, It's like if, if little children, young children, were out in the woods and they're playing and they're having a good time, uh, you know, maybe in some little wooded area by their house, and all of a sudden this big storm comes, a scary storm out of nowhere, black clouds and lightning and thundering, and they're just little kids and they're huddled up under a tree and, and they're scared and they're looking at each other and they're scared to death and hunkered down, and all of a sudden they they see and hear their father coming. The voice of their father crashing through the woods, coming after them. You know what I mean? It's like, we're going to be okay. Why? Does the storm stop? No. But dad's here. There he is. He's here. And he scoops them up in his arms and he's got them. His presence brings that rest. The storm's still going on, but in just a minute... He's going to have us all back home. We kind of lost our way. And we were scared. We were all turned around out there. But everything's fixed now. Because Dad's here. He's got us. He scooped us up. And, and God wants us to, to be with Him in that way. I am, I'm continually with thee, David said. That's the blessing. You can come. And y'all, these altars are open. I just want to close with that.